Ever wondered what goes on in the kitchens of Melbourne's restaurants? I'm Jo Ritty, and Conversation with the Chef gives you the backstory of some of our favourite eating spots. So thank you for no taking time out. Um, so there's a few things I want to talk about. So obviously I want to talk about the um, Chef of the Year. Congratulations. Yeah, thank you. And also, um, but maybe we could start right at the start um, from did you always want to be a chef? Uh, yes, I guess. Um, yeah, like a lot of people sort of said don't become a chef as I was sort of teenage years and all that kind of thing and you don't really know what you want to do. And, but like my mum was a very good cook and um, we would always like make pasta and she was really an avid gardener and all that kind of stuff. So I had that whole sort of that fashionable paddock like sort of ideal that is sort of in the trend at the moment. Like I sort of grew up with that. Yeah. And she used to be a... Um, vegetarian cooking teacher back in the 80s and um, yeah we were brought up vegetarian and all that kind of stuff a bit hippie and um, so I guess it was sort of seeded in my head like the whole food thing and um, but yeah like I said a lot of people advised me not to do it and um, I did home economics in high school and um, yeah that sort of stuff and then I got a job in a a cafe and um, and then I got a job in a restaurant and, and then they handed me to a bed and breakfast and then I ended up being a bit of like um, kind of like the town town prize kind of thing so they all sort of passed me around and um, I ended up working in like every single joint in the place that I grew up yeah. and, um, so you're not from down here? no 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 we only, I only moved here like four years ago five years ago but I grew up in um, Mansfield oh yeah so okay. in Victoria and so like yeah so I, I worked in a few places there and, and then um, I got addicted to snowboarding and um, so then I was so I was doing snowboarding with high school and on my day like on my spare time and um, I started thinking like if I could get a job in a kitchen I could then snowboard and uh, work so that's sort of where that whole idea come from and then um, again like lots of people's like family and um, he, everyone's saying don't be a chef don't be a chef and um, so I started becoming a builder and um, yeah, and because I did, yeah, I was interested in woodwork and I would like creating things with my hands. Yeah. And, and then, um, yeah, so what happened, I was, I was doing this building kind of like apprenticeship sort of thing and I was probably a year into it and um, you'd go on smoker break or whatever and everyone would be talking about football or all this sort of stuff and, and I'd be reading like recipes or whatever and I was just like, what am I doing? Like, just fish, yeah, yeah. like become a chef. And, and um, so I'd already had like a, a fair bit of experience at that stage and like as for a young kid. So I knew what kitchens were like and all that sort of stuff. So I decided to, um, no, what did I, I then, yeah, then I was really confused. So I stopped doing the building thing and I was literally, um, I was cherry picking in the morning. I was washing dishes in the afternoon. Uh, so I had two dishwasher jobs and I was cherry picking. And um, the... This has gone right back. This yeah, it's good. Through. It's good. <laughs> so what happened was um, I was washing dishes in this place and I knew the head, like the executive chef, from when I was young, young, like, um, you know, 15 kind of thing, because he was telling me I should be, I should do my apprenticeship with him. And I was like, no, 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 like, I don't know whether I want to do it. And anyway, so this is five years later or whatever, and he's, you know, maybe four or five years later, and he's... Um, He's like, you know, you could, you'd be a qualified chef by now and you're just a dishwasher and da-da-da. So anyway, he was, we knew each other from the past. And then um, one night, the, the head chef, he was, um, he was a bit of a lazy sort of guy and 
he um, he was like looking at the clock and it was like 7.30 and he was sort of having a bit of a whinge, like, oh, I just want to go home. And, and I said, oh, I'll just go home. I said, I'll, I'll look after, I'll crack down your, your section. It's just like a little pub thing. And um, so he he went home at 7.30, but then we had a table of 20 people rock up. And um, so, and then the, the waitresses are like, oh, are you okay? And I'm like, yeah, yeah, give me the dockets. And so they're sending in like steaks and fish. And, and then all of a sudden the place got really busy. And I was like, yeah, I had like, you know, all these tables in there. And then the executive chef rocked up and said, oh, where's the head chef? And I said, oh, he went home um, just a little while ago. I said I would pack up the section for him and we got these orders and I just said I would do it. And he just looked at me and he shook his head. He said, you're an idiot. Like, do your bloody apprenticeship. And, um, and, then, I, he's, and then he said... I'll match what you're getting paid now because back then it was like eight bucks an hour. So he said, "Look, I'll pay you eighteen dollars an hour or whatever to do your apprenticeship. If it's money that you're worried about, I'll just I'll match what you're on." Yeah. So I ended up being like the highest paid first year apprentice ever. I think like I was making yeah pretty good money for a first year. Yeah. And so as a first year. Um, it was a bit weird because he then, like the first seven months or whatever, I ran that hotel as a first year apprentice. So like we were doing like 2,000 covers a week, um, but it was kind of a bit backwards because I didn't really know what I should have known. Um, so it was a bit, a bit odd. But then I got exposed to like, um, we had a bed and breakfast, we had a fine dining restaurant. We had two um, outside catering joints, like so we did weddings. Like I did um, 150 people in the middle of nowhere, like in the bush, um, with no power, no electricity, um, no hot water or water. And um, how did you do that? Was it like to have a fire, or did you? It was all oh, pre like, done. Yeah, you sort of pre do it, and you you, you rent um, gas things and like yeah, yeah hot boxes. You'd be thinking of <laughs> no, no, no. So yeah, yeah you got to. So I did that as like a second apprentice or whatever yeah. on my own and so it really exposed me to like these really odd scenarios where you've got to think and and then I might and then he used to send me to do like um, like I'd get a doctor's event with 20 people or whatever and they'd send me down to do the doctor's or I might get like a private event at someone's house and so it was really really diverse in what I, what I had to do yeah and so I think that kind of set me up to start thinking like um, you know thinking on your feet and all that kind of stuff but obviously, like being unsupervised and so young and somewhat self-taught, you pick up a lot of bad habits. Yeah. So, and I kind of flew through the um, through the hierarchy thing. Um, so it it was it had pros and cons to it. And then um, so then once I'd completed my apprenticeship, I knew that I had um, to really refine my skills. And there was a guy in Melbourne. Um, he was an old, old fella um, from Austria, and, and all connected. And they passed me down to him because he was going to refine my everything. Yeah. So, and he knew all the classic t- uh, techniques and foundations and really, really classic yeah. style of cooking. And were, were you able to be? Um, were you okay with that? Or yeah, yeah, it was my choice. To, yeah, I think. Yeah. Yeah. It could be hard going from having so much control to no, going to, yeah, okay, that's No, no, it was sort of like a, a discussion that we had together. Yeah. I was at the age where, like, I, yeah, I, I, you know, I was sort of like coming like a bit of a little brat sort of thing. Like, you know, I had a lot, too much freedom and stuff like that. So and we, we discussed it and I was advised. Like, I've got a lot of respect for 
person I did my apprenticeship with, yeah. and he advised me to go and do this next stage. Was it easy to relearn? Uh, yeah, kind of. Like, I really had to adjust my attitudes and adjust, like, uh, things like that. But, you know, I just moved from the country to Melbourne, and so it was a big shock. And, like, I didn't have anywhere to stay, and I, I lived on his couch in his restaurant for wow. maybe a few months. And, um, but it was it was really good, and, and he was he was very patient, and I think that was like and he, he was mentoring, so which is what I lacked. Like, like um, so it was really good to get the the other side of it, and um, so and he had many many connections in the hospitality industry in Melbourne, and um, he was into uh, judging competition and judging. Um, like yeah, different things so forth. So there might be like wine judging or tasting. Um, so I got exposed to um, a lot of like private wine dinners and all that sort of stuff. And then I heard about this cooking competition sort of thing, and I was like, "What is this?" Like it sounded interesting to me. So I told him that I wanted to do a competition, and um, yeah, he kind of like laughed at me. And, um, yeah, he said, "Okay, you know, we can work on that." And, so, because it's really, really, you've got to be very particular and you've got, like, it's everything. Like, it's not just what's on the plate, it's how you work and how yeah. you look and, you know, how clean you are and uh, how calm you work. Like, I was a bit of, like, when I was an apprenticeship, because, like I said, I was a bit out of my depth, I would, you know, a bit like you know, a caffeine fueled teenager yeah. sort of thing, just flying through it. And so I had to, like, re sort of learn a lot of that thing. But, so anyway, I entered the competition and I got gold. Um, wow, first so one. how long did it take you to prepare for that? Oh, no, not long at all. Okay. Like, it was just like a, it was a, it was a tape, like a basic um, sort of, yeah, one that you do when you're younger. Okay. And, um, so how old were you then, like early 20s? Oh, I must have been like 20, 21 or yep. something. And, um, yeah, so I got gold, the first one I did. And it sort of got, you know, once you get the taste of um, winning, then you sort of, I got a bit addicted to it, I guess. And, um... But I, I liked the pressure and I liked the adrenaline that you got out of it and I liked the freedom of creativity again. Mm. So, yeah, so I did that and then um, I did a few other comps while, whilst I was with that guy and I... So I won gold a couple of times with him, actually, well, whilst I was with him. And um, so the next one I did, though, I, I got bronze. Um, and then the one after that, I think I got a gold in seafood or something like that. But anyway, so that was that. And then, so after I was with him for, it was probably a couple of years, um, I sort of outgrew that. Like I ended up running his, his kitchen and, um, or establishment. And, um, and I knew again, once you're running, you're not really learning as much because you're only learning from yourself. Yeah. So you're learning from your, what you're doing. Yeah, that's interesting. Yeah, so I thought I need to step down again. So I, I did a complete backflip, and I stepped down to Kami. So Kami is the bottom of the, like it's the, the entry after your apprenticeship. Yeah. So I literally just stepped straight off and just got, right, I need to go right back to basics. In a big kitchen or? I went to a big one. I went to a, um, a, a, what's called a six-star 
place in um, Hamilton Island. So yeah, I don't know. They, they call themselves a six star anyway, but whatever that is. There's a few people in the world that claim six star. Yeah, that's um, right. Because I thought it was five star, but then you do. I've seen six star. Like, yeah, <laughs> I think they might have claimed, but yeah. So because I was there when they opened it, and they were saying we're going. So I don't know whether it was a miscommunication or whatever. But so they were like, yeah, we're six star, and um, yeah. So I thought I'll go right back down the bottom of the ladder and I'll just go back to learning. And um, yeah, so I went up there and um, they provided accommodation and all that sort of stuff and it was it was big. Like I've gone from these small little kind of like, you know, home um, family sort of kitchens to this was like a pretty big step. And um, I stayed up there for about eight months or something like that. And then... Um, so then did you get to work on different sections and things? Yeah. Yeah, so I did all different sections. And the chef, he loved me because I was like a real hard worker and I wanted to learn. So like, um, and he was he was French and he was saying like, no Aussies um, understand that you need to climb the ladder. Like they don't actually show appreciation to a position like a commie, for example. Yeah. They just all want to become head chefs. And, and I've, you know, quite like ironically, I've, I've kind of done that. So... He admired me for then having the courage to then step down and not worry about certain, you know, wages and stuff like that. Mm. So once he, once I proved to him that I wanted to learn and I, you know, was there to, to really improve, he just gave me a lot of um, knowledge, I guess. And also, like, I'd do, like, a 10-hour shift or whatever, and then everyone would knock off, but I would stay back and, and then work the next shift with the guys. And so I was doing these... Like just just to learn, yeah. and um, it just I guess it just really showed him what I was there for. Yeah. And then yes, yeah, so after about eight months, um, the my wife now, so we were there together. She actually had a, an injury and she had to um, leave the island. So I stayed there for a few months without her, but it was just it became a long distance relationship. And yeah. It was sort of it was not really working, and I said to the guy like, you know, I might have to move on. And he was, he was fine, like he was supporting and whatever. And and then, what did I do? I, oh, so I got a job back at Mount Buller. Okay. Back, back in the, it was an Austrian place. Um, I was at that, that really iconic Austrian place. It does a really yeah. amazing shit store. There's lots of wood and everything. Yeah, yeah. I ate in there. I loved it. Oh, okay. <laughs> I was a head chef there five years. Oh, wow. Yeah. So When was that? Oh, a little while ago now. Um, I'm just trying to think how that all happened. So I think I went to Qualia, and then I think I went to France. So, because I was, I'd worked in French restaurants and for this French before, guy. Before you went to Fuller? Yeah, I think so. Whereabouts did you live in France? Nice. Oh, wow. So, yeah, but it was a bit odd. So I, I was totally unprepared. I thought I'd be able to go over to France. I'd walk down the street. There'd be restaurants like Melbourne. Yeah. And I'd just go into a restaurant and say, I want to work. And, and so I was really naive. I had no idea what I was getting myself into. Did you have any French? No. Well, yeah, I'd cook French. And, so I knew, you know, kitchen lingo, which is just, you know, useless swear words or whatever. Yeah. But, um... Yeah, so, but I wanted to, I felt like a bit of a sellout because I was, like, I cooked French, but I'd never been to France. So I went over to France, and then, but it was right at the GFC, and so they were laying off French-speaking chefs, like, and I was like, well, how are they going to hire me who can't speak French? Um, And and I had no idea what I was doing. So, like, I would walk around the streets, but it would be winter, and it was freezing cold, and I was just getting nowhere, and it just 
knocked me down like so bad. Um, I just lost so much confidence and I was like, and then we were there for about, I don't know, three months or whatever, looking and I was just like, this isn't working, we need it. And this was like before, you know, this Facebook and stuff like that, we could just look it up online. Yeah. So, and I was like, right, so we need to make a choice what we're going to do. And um, I'd been offered a job at Mount Buller and um, I, so I thought, oh, look, I'll take that because it's, it's a guaranteed job and we'll just chew and through money. And, um, and then we went, we're like, right, let's just go around France. So we went down south to Nice and the first place we stayed at, I looked and saw they had a menu when we were checking in and I said, oh, um, I don't suppose you, look, you need a chef. And she said, oh, well, actually we do. And she said, do you like snowboarding? And I said, well, actually I do. And she said, oh, well, the owner's going snowboarding tomorrow. You can meet with him in the snow. So I was like, wow, bingo. Yeah. And so I had my interview on a chairlift. And um, <laughs> he's like, yeah, yeah, you, you can have the job. And, and I was like, wow. Like, but I'd just committed to Mount Buller. So I had like a bit of a time limit yeah. as to my employment. But, um, and it was an old nunnery that they converted into this kind of like, I guess you'd call it an Airbnb sort of thing. Okay. Um, but it was amazing. It was this like massive like nunnery church thing with like all this lead light and open kitchen. How nice is that? Is it? Oh, uh, couldn't tell you. Not right down in the... No, it's a bit so higher up, just okay. where it hits the hills. Yeah, yeah, nice. So, um, yeah, it was, it was fine. Like it wasn't... I went there to work in a Michelin star restaurant, but and it was far from that. Like it's an Airbnb or whatever. But I thought it's an experience, and um, and it was great because um, the we used to go to the market two to three times a week, and it was whatever we could buy from the market would be on the menu, and I would change the menu every single day. Yeah, and so. Um, like the boss would give me a thousand euros in cash and just go go buy whatever you want. And there'd and be all kinds of different products too that you yeah, would come across. Exactly. <laughs> so I got exposed to all of that. It was like the seafood and truffles and all the vegetables. And, I love the, yeah. I love yeah. the French markets. <laughs> oh yeah, it was amazing. And it was, um, I don't know what season, it, well, it must have been the end of the summer or something like that because I was going into our winter. Is that right? Something like that, or maybe the start of their summer. Maybe yeah, because you were there over when it was initially it was cold, and now you're yeah, maybe coming into. Yeah, it must be. Um, and then, but yeah, so the boss, he was, he was pretty cool. Like he, um, he thought I was great because I liked hard work and you know I was very creative. And so he used to let me borrow his car every day off, and I'd go skiing in the Alps. Like he give me this, you know, Audi. It's like a V8 Audi car. That, and he's like, yeah, yeah, take it, go snowboarding. Uh, that's good, that's living a dream. <laughs> yeah, so it was really cool. Um, but yeah, it was sort of, it wasn't going to be a very long-term thing. Yeah. And then, so we came back and I went to the snow and I watched, so I was back in the Austrian club and it became a bit of a joke um, because these Austrians, they all knew each other because Eric, the guy who I worked in Melbourne, he was the first head chef at Pinsy Grimmers. And, and Christian, who I did my apprenticeship under, worked for Eric who then Eric got Christian a job at Pensing Rumors so we've all worked at Pensing Rumors now and so yeah they kind of thought it was quite funny and um, yeah so I was this Australian but because I'd worked for um, these Austrian chefs I, I knew all the Austrian tricks yeah. or I knew a lot of the recipes and um, that kind of stuff so I when I, when I spoke to them on the phone, they're like, oh, but we only have a sous chef position. And like, I, I, would, I would have taken, you know, like I, I've just done a commie role. <laughs> I, like I would have taken whatever. Yeah. And they're like, oh, we only have sous chef. Is that okay? And I was like, sure. <laughs> 
And um, so anyway, when I went and worked there, the head chef, he ended up, um, he had a ski injury, peak season. And, um, and so I just stepped up yeah. and I just started doing the head chef role. And, um, and they were really impressed. So yeah, they ended up giving me the job. So I took it from peak season and um, wrote the season out. And they yeah, really looked after me financially and bonuses and all that kind of stuff. And I was super happy because I was cooking the food that they wanted. And um, and then so, yeah, they invited me back and the previous season, the following season. And, yeah, then I, I kind of really liked that lifestyle because it reminded me of my apprenticeship where you could finish work or you could go on a break and go for a snowboard, yeah. come back, have some food and then do a service. Like, it was a really, it was a great lifestyle. Yeah. And, yeah, and it was super, um, a lot of, like, physical activity. And, um, so I really enjoyed that. Yeah. Everything would have been firing then, wouldn't it? Because it'd be, yeah. like, healthy and, yeah, you know, it's good. Yeah. yeah. Oh, like... And I'm a bit of an adrenaline. I used to be a bit of an adrenaline junkie, so I love that sort of whole rush. And you'd come back from snowboarding, you'd be fired up for service and punch out a service, and it was just great. Yeah. And then, um, so I ended up doing that for five years. I'm pretty sure. I think I did like seven seasons at Mount Buller or something. Yeah. Like that. Okay. Um, and then on summers, I would sort of, I don't know. I think I went went work to Japan. Um, that would have been really different too. Yeah, but it, not really because um, yeah, it wasn't actually that different because it was kind of there were so many people from Mount Buller who were oh, who were there. Okay. So it was really odd. Like when I when I arrived, so um, I mean I've been to Japan um, five or six times now, but when I'd gone there to work, um, when I arrived, there was so many people in the town that I knew from Mount Buller. Yeah. So, so was, what part of Japan was there? That time I was in Nagano, um, not Nagano, sorry, um, Niseko. So yeah, and yeah, so I did the season. I sort of did part of the season, but I think I can't remember. Yeah, anyway, that's what I did. <laughs> yeah, that's a great journey. <laughs> Is that how much you want to know? Yeah, that's good. I did want to know all that. And now you're here. So what stage did you? Oh, but that's there's still like seven or eight more years. Oh wow. Yeah, you asked a long question. I did ask a long question, didn't I? So, and then, so, after that, I think I moved back to Melbourne, and I was a bit lost because I hadn't really established connections in Melbourne, and and Melbourne's a real fickle little city where it's who's who's who and who, you know, and that kind of stuff, and I didn't really know anyone. And so, I ended up getting a job at um, a place called... It was a hatted restaurant in the city, and it was going good. And the guy and the head chef loved me, and all that sort of stuff. And it was really, really great. But then Eric, the guy, the old guy that I worked for in Melbourne all those years ago, he got really sick, and um, like really sick. And um, and he looked after me so long, I felt like I needed to to help him. So I was going in my break. I was going around to his restaurant and helping him make sauces and getting all the stock ready. Oh, wow. and, yeah, and then it got to the point where I was going after work and helping, and, and then I'd go on my day off, and I was just like, oh my god, this is too much. So I quit my job at the Haddon Place, and I just went and worked with him. So I ran his kitchen for a few months, and um, he was really sick. And, um, anyway, then we started talking about. He was like, well, why don't you buy my restaurant? And I was like. Right, I'll buy your restaurant. Like, it was this amazing top end of town. And so what we started Le Gourmet. And um, so we, we were talking about this kind of thing. And, but then it started to 
I started getting a bit like cold feet kind of thing. I started getting a bit funny and because um, another party got involved and it just like we had, we had a mutual sort of understanding of one another and, and I had a lot of trust and then all of a sudden when there was another party it was sort of a bit funny. So yeah. And then I, what did I do? I quit and I started... I sold my apartment in the city, and my wife and I split, and um, I went over to Japan. And so I was over in Japan snowboarding, and I was there for about six months, and I was in an avalanche in a snowboard crash. So, I, you know backcountry snowboarding? Kind of. My, yeah, my partner does it. Okay. He's had a few here. So there's Peace. Peace is the runs. Yeah. And then the backcountry is yeah, okay. yeah, off-piste or yeah. whatever. So I was riding off-piste um, like every day. And I was fed as and, you know, I was climbing mountains every day and whatever. So... I was comfortable and then but I got too comfortable and um, this one day like so the snow has to bond otherwise it can slide and because Japan's quite renowned for getting a lot of snow there's there's often like slides or whatever but so like we're watching it or whatever and it had snowed two days prior so it should have bonded but it didn't and um but I was being a bit careless because it was I'd done it I was so cocky or confident I didn't I, I didn't sort of I thought oh, I'll be bonded sure two days yeah. normally takes you know um, and so anyway I was on this it was a it was a hundred foot cliff so and um, it was sort of like a, a you sort of ju- jump into a chute um, so really really steep face so like yeah um, but where you land was like a vertical ramp kind of thing but it, you had to land between two trees and it was a bit dodgy, um, and it's 100 foot. So I was like, oh, nah, I shouldn't do this today. And um, so I started to like try and back out of it. But when I, when I turned around, the whole face where I was standing on actually cracked and took off. And so I went off this 100 foot cliff completely out of control because I was in this friggin' avalanche, and I hit both trees, one with my face and one with my pelvis. And um, smashed all my, I broke. So I severed my ACL, PCL, ruptured LCL, and torn MCL. Broke three bones in my face, and I broke my pelvis. And I was in this bloody avalanche backcountry. And um, yeah, so we we're in, in, in trouble. And so anyway, like long story, very long story again. Um, <laughs> but yeah, so that. They had to drag me out, basically. I had to crawl from like here to that building over the road. It took me 45 minutes, and then they had to drag me out for about almost two two hours after that. Once they found me, and um, we had to go through a river and all that stuff. And yeah, then they put me in an ambulance, took me in a hospital, and they're like, "Yeah, you're all broken. Da 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 da. You've got to go to like a big hospital." So then they took me to the big hospital, and by that time it was like six hours or something like that. And um, yeah, and then. So then I had face surgery and um, it was, yeah, no insurance and all this kind of stuff and it was costing me a fortune. And, um, so then I came back to Australia to do it, um, to try and do, because then they found a knee on like day seven and um, I was like, oh, I can't afford to do the knee over there. So I came back here and I was going to do it on Medicare and I started talking with um, Alex again, my wife. 
and so we started you know, reeking me and um, yeah so I did I basically had a year off where I just did um, rehabilitation I was wow. just doing gym like every single day like um, so yeah it's like a lot of strength training and all that sort of stuff and then after that I needed to find I needed work and then so Mount Bola called me and said hey we hear you're back in the country will you come and be the chef again and um, I was like oh look I'll come back but just so you know like I'm a bit broken and um, I'm only supposed to like the doctor recommends working 10 hours a week and we used to do like 15 hours a day of course so I said look I won't be able to do the hours I used to and I said I need to go to the gym every day for rehabilitation are you okay with that and they're like yeah, yeah do whatever you need to do and um so I did it. I went back up and did a season and um, because I needed to recover some money as well. Yeah. And then after that, I was like, um, like, you know, I need to go and learn again because I'd been head chef for quite a while by that stage. I was like, I need to go back to basics and just go somewhere to, to learn. So I went to Bray over in... Um, ah, yeah. yeah, okay. And so um, I was over there for a bit, but... I couldn't do my rehab, so I'd, it was, I'd only had the, you know, the accident maybe um, seven months, maybe eight months prior, so I was in like a real crucial stage of healing um, and rehab, so, and because we were doing massive, massive hours there, I was actually going backwards in my re- recovery, so, and, um, and so... I was like, I don't know if I can do this. So I last, I was there for a month, and um, I was just like, I think for my health, it's it's not going to work. So I left, and um, and then I was like, I need to find a job, but it's so unique what I'm looking for now, because I can't do the hours that I that I used to, or or you know, sometimes expected in some ways. So I was like. I was searching for a very, very hard job to find. Yeah. And um, I was just like, I don't know what I'm going to... So anyway, I was looking over on um, over the other side of the water, Colac, um, that sort of way. So yeah. when I came back, I was like, I want to work somewhere really beautiful. You know, I need to... Did you get that whole shake of life? Yes. And um, yeah, so I was I, like, I wanted to make sure I had a really good life balance. And then um, anyway, didn't find anything over there. So I came over this side... And I was looking around here, and I didn't really know the area, but I was—I didn't even know this existed. And so I was over on the bay side, and I drove from like you know Monton to Sorrento or whatever it is. And I was like, nah, I can't see anything that I, that really appeals. And um, and then I was on Facebook, and um, it showed that one of my friends is nearby, and so I had a look, and he was actually the restaurant manager at Mount Bula the first season I did okay. and I got him a job to be the bar manager in the wine bar so we knew each other and we'd worked with each other but it was sort of years ago so I was like oh, I should go say hello so I came over and you know we had a quick catch up and we just seen each other because it had been so long and um and anyway, he's like, oh, I don't suppose you're looking for work. And I said, well, actually, that's what I'm doing over here. And he said, oh, we're going to have a restaurant. Do you, want to, um, do you want to work in it? And I said, oh, yeah, sure. Like, you know, and so I had an interview. And
thinking that I was only going to be here for a short time because I just wanted to get a job, um, make, make a bit of money, finish off my rehab, and then I wanted to go back to Japan. Um, and I wanted to learn how to surf in the meantime. So, yeah, so I thought, you know, if I do, do a summer, learn how to surf, make a bit of money, finish finish off the one year, first year of rehab, rehabilitation. And anyway, so, but it was it was really, really great lifestyle balance. And that's the really hard thing to find, I think, in hospitality. So we used to work about four days a week, um, four, four and a half days a week kind of thing. It was the best roster I've ever, ever done. And, um, and my job was... was not that hard considering what I'd done prior um, and so it was kind of strange like I just kept saying like you know give me more give me more give me more because like when I started all they wanted me to do was cook duck and quail yeah. and I was like I used to do like 120 covers doing all the proteins yeah. like I'll do it so yeah they gave me more and more and more and more and, more. and um but then it got to the point where like I was kind of running the kitchen but I wasn't getting recognised for it and then I was sort of like well what's the point of doing that like you know yes I, I get to like it's what I like to do but if you're not getting recognised for it then it's kind of not really worth it Yeah. so then I was like why don't I go into um, private dining and then I can cook what I want because I was surfing at a break just up the road here and it's on a cliff face and there's this like multi-million dollar house looking over this cliff face and um, I was thinking to myself that's the best view any restaurant has down here I'm like so why don't I take the restaurant to them like why do I need to have a restaurant um, to, to do what I want so I started thinking along those lines and so I quit and um, the owners asked me to come up to the city and to the, um, their office in the city and um, we had a meeting they said oh you know um, why don't you apply I said the style of the restaurant needs to change like we need to um, come into the, the new style of times that old had it sort of idea where, and I said I want to like localise it make that whole um, anyway so they said oh, look, why don't you become the new head chef and we'll, we'll redo it all and you can you can be in charge and I said yeah that's fine but I said but you need to you need to get rid of the staff that are in the kitchen and we start from fresh yeah um, I, you can't have these guys that had it the way that it was before and then it is like this because I said it will never work no so if, you, if we start fresh sure so yeah I left and I, I think it it shut down in like three weeks after I left and um um, but they never got rid of the staff. So, and then so, but they said, look, in the meantime, why don't you, would you be interested in opening this cafe for us? And um, I said, like, um, I'd never done cafe since I was 15, like my first job. And um, I was thinking, um, I wasn't too sure at the start. I was like, oh, I don't know, da, da, da. And then they said, I went and had lunch with the owner and she was so passionate. I could see her energy, enthusiasm. I was just like, that's awesome. Like, I want to work for someone who's passionate like that. And um, so I said, oh, look, I'll open. Oh, and they were having troubles getting a chef for here because it's supposed to be this, like, healthy kind of thing, yeah. you know, all this sort of stuff. And um, so they had a few chefs I try and write the menu and all that sort of stuff and I said look I'll write you a menu 
and you can use it or whatever. Like, because I, I hadn't actually said I'd take the job at that stage. I just said I'll help. I'll write your menu to so you can get it open in time. And um, I wrote it on my way home. I wrote the menu in about 15 minutes, and they'd spent about six months prior to that trying to get it this menu in. Oh wow! Okay. And so the owner was just like, "How the hell did you do that in 15 minutes?" And I was like, "Oh, well, my wife's out." Um, She's, uh, she used to be a personal trainer. My mum was a vegetarian cooking person. We were brought up vegetarian. Yeah. You know, so I was like, just put cheese seeds, whatever. And like, I see all the stuff that Alex eats for breakfast. And so I was like, I'll just do that. Like, so I wrote this menu and um, she liked it. So she, so then she said, well, why don't you open it for us? And uh, I was, so the idea was that I open this and then I go and open up the, the yeah. new restaurant and six months went by and nothing and then a year went by and I was like what the hell like one year and then I was like I was like I can't just wait I need to do something so then I entered for most outstanding chef of the year and then I won that one and then the next year was chef of the year so two different things so most outstanding chef of the year we had to do Oh, no, no. So I entered, it was for most outstanding chef. So in that competition, there's a thing called static display. So static display, you have to, um, you have to coat, it's weird. Like, you know, have you been to Japan? No. Have you been in a Japanese restaurant where they've got the fake food? Yes. And it looks like plastic? Yes. And they, they coat it in the stuff? Yeah. So that came from static display. Yeah. And it used to be real food that they'd coat in these, like, aspic glazes. Yeah, I've heard about it's that. disgusting. <laughs> like, they do it, but it's this, it's this style that no one does anymore. No. It's like this diner, but it's not really food, you know? It's just this, like, it's just a picture kind of thing. But I was like, I don't know it. It's something that I've never done. I know nothing about it. Why don't I try and learn it? And so I went and did a one-hour course in it, um, or maybe two-hour course in it or whatever, and um, and then entered this competition. And then when I was there, the guy who was teaching it said, oh, there's this static display competition coming up, and he's won it five times, and blah, 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 blah. And I was like, oh, I'll enter. Yeah. So I entered, and I won. Um, and I beat him, <laughs> the guy who showed me how to do it. Oh, you would love that. <laughs> yeah. So it was kind of weird. But then whilst that competition was on, there was another one called Most Outstanding Chef. But to do that, you had to win a minimum of two gold medals. And there was like a, a fish challenge, chicken challenge, a beef challenge, blah, blah, blah. And so I was talking to the organiser and they said, oh, look, by the way, I'm doing the static display. I said, if you have... Um, some challenges where you need a chef because you're short, like you don't have, you need like to fill up the, um, the challenge. Just chuck me in, I'll do it because I'm like, I'm gonna do this challenge in the city anyway, so just put me in. So anyway, he put me in all of them. So I was like, oh shit, like what have I done? So I was like, oh look, just do it. But I ended up winning um, three or four gold medals or something like this, and I just like smashed it. And um, so they, I wasn't supposed to be able to get the medal, or the, the title, but I got it because I'd done so well in everything. So it was kind of a bit of a, like a holy shit sort of thing. And then, um, so then that gave me the confidence to, to do competition again because I hadn't done it for so long. And so the next, so what happened was um, Baku's door. So that I saw that the entries were open for, no, the entries were soon closing for Baku's door. 
And so Eric, the guy I worked for in the beginning, he told me about Baku's door and um, he'd sort of said, like, it's the, the, the biggest thing a chef can ever do. It's like the biggest challenge a chef can actually do. And so I put it on this pedestal of, like, holy shit, kind of. And um, when I went to France, I went and watched it and when I was 25 or whatever, and I was like, I want to do that. So, and I'd seen it was it was closing soon, and I was like, by this stage, I'd been here like two years, and I was like, what am I doing here? Like yeah. the restaurants, not going anywhere. Like it's not doing anything. Um, you know, I'm just doing this, and I was like, go for it. What do you got to lose? Yeah. So, and then I found out Chef of the Year. Because I've won it twice. Yeah, um, 2017 as well, yeah. Yeah, so I found out Chef of the Year was in the same arena as Baku's Door. Yeah. So what I did um, is two stories. So what I did was um, I contacted for Baku's Door. Baku's Door was my priority. Um, and so I needed a coffee chef, an apprentice, and I didn't have one. And um, so I contacted the local shire because I'd done some stuff with them. And um, I just said, look, I need the best apprentice on the peninsula and they need to be no older than 21 by 2019. And so this was 2017. So we're doing, trying to get people from a certain age back or whatever. And they, they got, they spoke to everyone and whatever. And I got like five people to speak to and went to the tapes and interview people. And, and I had a few people to come and do like some trials, but I had this girl come and do a trial with me. And all I, just, I got her to do, it was like 20 of the same thing, but she had to start a timer, start a task, finish the task, and then stop the timer and record it 20 times. And then I had to see an improvement in time, an improvement in quality, and then it's good. And, and she smashed it. Like she was this, she loves like martial arts and like she's real disciplined. Yeah. And she did really, really well. So we were training here after work. Yeah. So because I finished work at four o'clock. So we would just stay back in this kitchen and just work all afternoon doing this Bakustor training stuff. And so anyway, there was a kind of a long shot to get this thing. Um, but anyway, when I heard Chef of the Year was in the same place, I thought if I do Chef of the Year, I'll be in the kitchen and I'll get a, I'll get to see what the kitchen has and yeah. is like. Yeah. And I thought, and um, so I called up the, the food store people and said, oh, do you mind if I enter both? And, and he's like, look, you know, imagine if you want both, it'd be bloody amazing. And he's like, go for it. Yeah. And so Chef of the Year is a three-day knockout challenge. And I kept getting through. And I was like, it was great. But I was like, I'm going to be so tired. Mm. So, we, yeah, so I had two days cooking. So I did like Sunday, Monday. And then Tuesday morning, I started Bakusta at 5.30 in the morning. And it's a, a massive challenge. And so I was up since like 2 a.m. And we, I finished at like 11.30 in the morning. And um, they announced it at midday. And I was in the grand final for Chef Year. So that was 2.30 in the afternoon. At midday, they announced I'd just won the first door, and then I had to go straight into, into Chef of the Year, and I was wrecked. Yeah. Like I look, I look like I'm, like I look so skinny and pale and whatever in the photos, but like I was exhausted, and I was like, holy shit, like what have I done? Like, but I was just like, I, I've trained for all this time for the first door. Surely I can just implement those skills. And so I did the Chef of the Year, and everyone was saying, oh, my God, you're so calm. You're so... And I was just so tired. I yeah. Just like, 
I had no energy. You know? yeah. So, but I so I won that, and then what happened when I won that Chef of the Year? There was kind of like a scout for Global Chef of the Year um, at the time, and so I won Chef of the Year. Store, and then the Global Chef of the Year came to me and said, I want you to do Global Chef of the Year for Australia. And to do that, you need to um, you need to qualify in um, Australasia. Because it's not just Australia, you represent us the whole Australasia. So they're like, well, um, we're going to fly you to Guam and you've got you to compete against, um, you know, like New Zealand and Fiji and all those islands, whatever. And so I won that. So then all of a sudden, I was in the Store and Global Chef um, of the Year. And so I had, had to, and then I had to qualify in China for the Who's Store. Um, and then that's a big story too. Yeah. <laughs> You're probably sick of me already. <laughs> it's going to be a long, <laughs> long post. It's yeah. good though. It's fascinating. Yeah. So yeah. So then China, we had to qualify in Asia, top five. And um, so I won a podium. Um, that was like my thing. And um, we did. We got fourth. And I was gutted. But so in China, we the whole idea because basically once the timer starts, you've got to get prepared. You've got to get you know, all your training, whatever. And we got sent to China almost two weeks prior to the competition to train in the Pullman Hotel. And they were supposed to have a kitchen in one of the, the top story, um, what a private kitchen, and we were going to be set up all alone, and we just trained. And we got there, and um, oh, and I sent 300 kilos of equipment over there, and I sent over, I brought with myself thousands of dollars worth of food. And so, because the previous competitor, I got told, spent two days just weighing up his products to do his trials. Right. So I was like, if I do it here, I save two days. And then we got everything taken in customs. Uh-huh. So we lost all our food. Yeah. And then when we arrived at the hotel, I said, oh, do you have my equipment? And I was going, so I wanted to see it, make sure it was there. Anyway, um, he's, they're like, oh, the chef's not here, come back tomorrow. Come back the next day, place my equipment. Oh, chef's not here, come back tomorrow. And so three days they dragged it out. Third day, I'm like, where's the equipment? We need to train, like, we're just here. Like, we've got 12, 10 days or whatever. And they're like, uh, it's actually in customs. Like, it's all being held. And then it got to like eight days or whatever, still not released. And they're like, um, you're gonna need to come up with a backup plan because your stuff's not gonna get released. And this is like, everything is custom made, like, or, or customized for your thing. Like, we've done time trials in Australia where to, I had like all these different colors or I had five different colours, so first hour, second hour, third hour, and so on. And so if it was touched in the first hour, it would have a yellow sticker, or if it was touched in the blue hour, it would have a blue sticker, and it would be put into the first hour, second hour, so that you could, the whole idea is that you pull out the first 10 minutes, and yeah. everything you need for the first 10 minutes is there, it's gone. Yes. Yeah. And it's just this like, so it's so calculated, yeah. and it was like, gone. Yeah. So, and, and when I'd started all this, what I explained to them is that I'm very sort of, kind of like OCD or whatever like I'm or very particular about what I have like everything has to be mine I need to know that's there and that works like that and, and it was all gone and so we had to go to like Costco and Audi and stuff like this to buy a Baku's door kit and it was crazy so like I had because like, I had um, jewelers and glass blowers and laser cutters and all these like custom stuff yeah. I was like how do you get that at Costco so 
and like we had a platter that was like 15,000 bucks I was like How, where do I find a platter that's 15,000 bucks made of pure silver like so yeah we're in, we're in the pickle and then um the night before the competition at 10pm they released our stuff and so we got it on a pallet and I was like well I've got this Costco kit or I've got mine and so we used mine obviously but usually like I anticipated two days to pack unpack it and so we had to unpack it in like an hour Yeah. so it's just a, like crazy um, but yeah so then we did the comp and and then I went to then I went and did global in Kuala Lumpur, and we got our asses kicked. Um, I got told I shouldn't say that, like, but yeah, I, I thought we'd do pretty well, yeah. and we just got destroyed. So like, it just knocked me down, and yeah. it, it was good because it made me realise that I really really need to focus on this, and you get one shot at like Bahus pretty much. Um, so I was like, right, like we really need to train because I went into Global Chef thinking that I was quite prepared by doing Baku's door, but I realised like you're never prepared enough. So like, yeah. So then yeah. Yeah wow. <laughs> so then I was in. Yeah, so now, so now, what are you up to? <laughs> so then I went to France. Now, I'm up to now, 2019. Yeah. So then in January, no, in this. So, almost now. So what happened about a year before Bakus? So I used to look after a bit of stuff or whatever. Like I wasn't the executive chef, but I looked after bar, conference and events, breakfast, hotel, here, cooking school. Yeah. Everything but the pub. So, and it was getting too much because I was trying to train and whatever. It was just ridiculous. And so I stepped out at like... Um, conferencing and events and whatever and I was just doing like menu development and sort of um, mentoring and whatever coaching like food styles and whatever and I would like, oversee here and I would do the food school and I slowly 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 stepped out to nothing and then in like November I think I stopped work altogether yeah no August maybe and then um, yeah so that just chewed through my cash and um, and then in December we had to stop training because um, we had to send all our equipment to France um, and these guys, the company, gets re- it's really busy so they wanted me back to do some, um, to do whatever I can and so I'd come, I'd had six months off, kind of almost two years of slowly, slowly stepping yeah, out yeah. and then um, I was back for two weeks or whatever and then we were gone. So it was crazy, like we did all busy, busy, busy on the plane, straight to France, arrived in France and then we went straight to the Cordon Bleu and then we were just training like flat out and it was insane. Like the pressure, like once we arrived we realised that we had no time and we had to, yeah, we had to learn, like we had to, we were behind schedule basically and we were just like real worried that, you know, we were going to, I was an experience what I'd experienced in Malaysia where we got beaten yeah. badly because we weren't prepared because we were too busy working and doing these things yeah. and so we were training so what we learned in Australia was one way up would take us five hours to weigh up one run through and I wanted to do ten yeah. so I was like 50 hours of way up like how are we going to do 50 hours of way up we've only got like we only had ten days I think um, and so we did we just we weighed up 10 in one go and it took us like 16 hours so we saved huge time Um, but anyway that's a goose and then (laughs) came back 
to Australia and it was like a rock out of the sky, you know, like I just come straight back to earth real quick and like I was really like, I didn't want to come back to work, like I was just like, because I felt like I almost already left um, and um, but I had commitments that I needed to, to keep and um, some, because they auctioned me, it was like a Bakus door, the biggest auction Bakus doors had ever had. So the biggest one was like, oh, so one of the guys, one of the coaches or whatever, he said, he was bragging to me that when he was doing it, he got auctioned off for 7,000 bucks. And um, when they auctioned me, I was like freaking out that I was going to be auctioned for like 200 bucks or something like this. And I was like, holy shit, like I can't be... Um, so anyway, the auctions go in and, and it got up to, um, like it was just crazy. It got up to um, seven or 8,000 or whatever. But they, eight people bought it. So I got sold for 24,000 bucks for to do these dinners. And it was like a, a record. Yeah, wow. So I was like, like yeah. But um, so I had to do these dinners. So after the dinners, then I was like, back to square one of what am I doing and then Chef of the Year popped up mm. and I was like well why shouldn't I do it yeah. same same old question like why, why not do it and so but I was really uneasy about it like I felt very very uncomfortable um, so I actually and I because I know a lot of them now because I've done these things of course yeah yeah so I was like well one I don't want people to think there's favouritism like and then, but that was just me. So, because, and then I started thinking about it, and it was actually they're more harsh on me because yeah, they right. know me, and yeah. I've got, and I, they've got higher expectations for me. So I was like, well, actually, they're probably going to score me harder than anyone. So there goes that that excuse. And then I called them up and I wanted their permission. So I spoke to them individually and they said, I'm thinking about entering. Can I have your permission? And they're all like, are you serious? They're, they're, they said, we want people like you because you raise the, the benchmark. Yeah. So, yeah, so you're going you're gonna to lift the standards with everybody else. Um, so they're like, yeah, of course, we want you people like you. And, it's, and they just said, as long as you're willing to lose, go for it. Yeah. Um, and I think what they meant by that was like, as long as I won't be like upset if, if I lost. Yeah. And I thought, well, exactly, what am I going to lose? Like, yeah. And then you won. So there you go. How long was that? I had 45 minutes. In. <laughs> it's not commentary. We've had avalanches and all kinds of things all the way. Brilliant. A breakup and coming together. Yeah. <laughs> it was almost. We have to make a film now. <laughs> yeah, I know. It's a long story. No, it's a good story. Yeah. Thank you. That's all right. Thank you for sharing it with me. <laughs> um, I think it'll do. <laughs> yeah, you should have asked me such a big question. Well, that's what I want to know, though. Yeah. <laughs> um, but now I'll get your photo.